Welcome back to the Dirt Show. You know, everybody's so frustrated. What can we do about Ukraine? What can we do to stop the bombing? Did the Russians bomb a maternity hospital uh, today? You know, you sit here, you you just don't know what to do. Uh, we can't have a knife, no-fly zone. It's too risky with the Russians having, I don't know, thousands and thousands of nuclear warheads. Uh, you know, we can't allow uh, American pilots to uh, fly jets to give to Ukrainian pilots. We can't even allow Ukrainian pilots to fly from an American airbase in Germany, all, all too risky. We can continue to engage in uh, what Putin calls economic warfare. There will also be cyber warfare, no doubt about that. Watch your computers, you know, watch your secrets, uh, the Russians. <clears throat> are going to be engaging in that kind of warfare, and I'm, so, I'm sure so will we. We know that the Iranians have done that for years, the Israelis have done that. It's a new form of non-lethal warfare, but it can be very serious, as can economic uh, warfare be very serious. So we're all frustrated. None of us knows what to do. There's no magic bullet. You know, I get letters and letters and letters and emails, and you get the extremists on both sides. You get some extremists saying, Putin's right. Um, the Ukrainians are bad people. We should just let the Russians destroy them. You get others are saying uh, the Ukrainians are, are wonderful. It's like Nazi Germany. We have to go in. We have to, even if we risk war with, uh, with Russia, we're not going to take either of those extremes, obviously. But the frustration takes some weird and ridiculous forms. Last night, my wife and daughter went to... Um, one of their favorite restaurants uh, called the Russian Tea Room. Russian Tea Room's, I don't know, 100 and some odd years old, and it was empty. People were protesting because it's called the Russian Tea Room. Normally, it's, it's packed, uh, empty. Uh, they were the only people there, and I read in the newspapers that people were protesting the Russian Tea Room. Do they not know that the Russian Tea Room was established by emigres from Russia, against Russia, because they came to America and to France and other places after the Russian Revolution, after the Tsar and his family were killed, after communism and Bolshevism was established. The last thing the Russian tea room is is pro-Russian. Not only that, but it's not owned by Russians. It's owned by Americans, and their two most popular dishes are uh, Ukrainian dishes. Um, they're going to have to change the name on one of them. They used to call it Chicken Kiev. You can't say Kiev anymore because that's the Russian pronunciation. But you also can't say the CNN pronunciation. It's not Kiev. It's not Kiev. I know. I've been there. I am friends with the former president of the Ukraine. It's not Kiev. It's Kiev. It's Kiev. Kiev, not Kiev. Kiev. So their favorite dish is Chicken Kiev. Uh, which is, of course, a Ukrainian dish. Their, their second favorite dish is um, uh, borscht, which is uh, Ukrainian. And they serve Ukrainian vodka. So what are people doing? Boycotting the Russian tea room, putting them out of business because they have Russian in their name? What Should they change their name? Russian, we don't like them, tea room. No, I'm going to go back and enjoy my borscht. Uh, at, the, at, at the Russian uh, tea room. Uh, there have been a lot of examples 
of this. For example, I have a friend, and I'm not going to get into specifics, who was born in Ukraine, moved to Moscow for his education, and came to America as a kid, uh, and, and became wealthy through the sweat of his own brow. But he has a Russian name, so people are calling him an oligarch. He's not an oligarch. He has nothing to do with, with Putin. He has nothing to do with, with, um, with uh, uh, Russian corruption. He's an American businessman. Uh, but because he has a Russian name, they're, they're discriminating against him. It's, it's just plain, ordinary discrimination. I'm reminded of a famous story that took place in the 1930s when City College in New York and Brooklyn College, where I went, were known as the Little Red Schoolhouses because they were rampant with communism. A lot of communists in those days. Remember, if you were anti-fascist in those days, you were likely to be a communist because, remember, college students do not understand nuance. You're either a Nazi or a communist. You're not in between. Um, as far as I know today on university campuses, there are no liberals. There are no conservatives. There are only radical, woke, you know, complete progressives or very, very right wing. But uh, universities are not known for uh, moderation. The same thing was true, by the way, in Nazi Germany. The biggest fans of Hitler were the universities. Uh, the University of Munich, the University of Berlin, loaded with students. The same thing was true with uh, the Soviet Union. Some of the biggest supporters of Stalin and Lenin came from universities. So don't tell me about the virtues of youth. Uh, young people, college students particularly, can be extremists. So this is just a prelude to my story. In, in 1930s in City College, there were a lot of communists. And so there was a communist demonstration in favor of communism. And the police, New York City police, came in with their billy clubs and they started beating up communists. And one guy said to the policeman, stop beating me up. I'm an anti-communist. I came here to protest. I'm an anti-communist. And the cop says, I don't care what kind of communist you are, you're getting beaten up. That's what's going on today. I don't care what kind of Russian you are. If you have Russian in your name, you're getting boycotted. It's so ridiculous. It's so absurd. It's almost as absurd as the boycotts that they're trying to direct uh, against Israel. Ben and Jerry. First of all, never eat Ben and Jerry products. They are so fattening and sweet, and they're just awful ice cream. But that's not the reason for not doing it. They're owned by Unilever. Unilever buys its products from slave labor, from child slave labor. They have factories in some of the most repressive regimes in the world. Belarus, for example. Uh, but, you know, they're upset that Israel is building a few buildings on the West Bank, even if you're upset with that. So you get upset with a lot of countries. But you're selling products in countries that hang gay people and you're protesting and boycotting Israel. Come on, there's a word for that. It's called anti-Semitism. So, you know, I'm not buying Unilever products. I'm an ice cream addict. I try to get low-fat ice cream, but I'm an ice cream addict. So, you know, I never liked Ben & Jerry's, but I liked a number of other products like Breyers. So I figured I'd go to Breyers Ice Cream. Who do you think owns it? Unilever. And then I went, bought another uh, ice cream product. Who do you think owns it? Unilever. So I'm losing weight now because I'm not eating ice cream because I can't find an ice cream company that isn't boycotting Israel and applying a double standard. So, you know, we're seeing the frustration mount and the irrationality mounts along with the frustration. And so, 
you know, don't do that. Don't boycott the Russian tea room. Don't boycott people with Russian names. I mean, my friend is a supporter of Ukraine and, and he's being boycotted because he has a Russian name and spent some time in, in Russia, even though he was born in the Ukraine. And he's just one example of many. You know, we love just to stereotype and to have simple black and white, yes or no. You know, Ukrainian Russia is pretty black and white. What Russia is doing is black. If you use the word black, and I don't like to do that, to signify um, evil. And I certainly don't mean to associate that in any way with, with race. But what Putin is doing is evil, particularly bombing civilian targets. And generally what Ukraine is doing is good. Ukraine is not a perfect country. It doesn't have a perfect record. And um, it was never a perfect democracy. But the equities weigh heavily on one side rather than the other. But we love to see things in just simple, simple right and wrong terms. And that's what we're doing today. And so we have these absurd boycotts of uh, institutions that have absolutely nothing to do with the, the war. Um, you know, again, like, like in Israel, what does ice cream have to do with whether the Palestinians should have adopted a two-state solution in 1948, 1967, 2000, 2001, 2005, And every time they said no, and that was really blamed for not giving them a state when Israel offered a state uh, on numerous occasions and the Palestinians said, no, 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 they won't recognize Israel as the nation state of the Jewish people. Boycott, boycott. Classes today are being boycotted by students because they don't like what the professors are uh, teaching. I used to tell my students, you know, if you want to have a relaxed hour, you want to smile at the end of the hour, you want all of your views to be confirmed, you want everything to be nice, there's a spa down the block. Go get yourself a spa treatment. If you're in my class, uh, you're going to be miserable because I'm going to challenge every view you hold. There's no such thing as a right answer in my class. Every answer begets another question. You're going to squirm. You're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to say, gee, my mommy and daddy taught me something different. My rabbi, my priest, and my minister taught me something different. My professor in my last class didn't ask that question. Yeah, that's all true. And that's what education's supposed to be about, but we're not, we're not getting that. And we're not getting that on, on television. You turn on television these days in order to confirm your views. Um, you think the election was fair? You know, go to CNN, they'll tell you the election was fair. You think the election was unfair? Go to Fox, they'll tell you the election was unfair. Uh, if you think Trump was a great president, you know, go to Fox. If you think Biden's a great president, go to CNN. But, you know, don't go to any channel that won't confirm your views. You might have cognitive dissonance. You might actually have to think for yourself. Oh, my God, think for yourself. That's not allowed in our age of political correctness. The answers are there. There's truth with a capital T and a capital T. And if you have truth, why do you need free speech? Why do you need dissenting views? Why do you need due process? We know anybody accused of sexual misconduct by a woman, of course, is guilty and the woman is telling the truth. We know that. That's part of our worldview. 
So why do we need a trial? Why do we need due process? Why do we need dissenting opinions? That's the world we live in. So don't protest the Russian tea room or whatever Russian institution might exist in your town that might have nothing to do with Russia at, at all. So, you know, what should you do? I'll tell you what I've done, maybe give you some ideas. I just nominated um, um, President Zelensky for the Nobel Peace Prize, but I did it in a strange way. The Nobel Peace Prize is normally given out in the fall, and they take nominations now, and they go through it, and then they decide who will get the prize. They announce it in the fall, and they give it a couple of weeks later. I'm telling them to change their tradition, to give it now, to have an emergency meeting of the Nobel Committee, and to vote unanimously to give the Peace Prize to Zelensky, and to send a message to the world that the world, the whole world, remember the United States doesn't give the Nobel Peace Prize, NATO doesn't give the Nobel Peace Prize, the Western world doesn't give the Nobel Peace Prize, Europe doesn't give the Nobel Peace Prize. It's a world prize. It's the most distinguished world prize you can get. And you can only get it when you're alive. And if you wait until the fall, Zelensky may not be alive. But if you give him the prize now, it may just make the price a little higher for Putin to order his killing, his assassination. We know what Putin does to his political enemies. And we know that Zelensky himself has said he's the number one target. His family is the number two target. So give him the Nobel Peace Prize uh, now. I think that would be a good idea. So that's one thing I've done. Will it work? I don't know. I don't know, but it's better than not going to the Russian tea room. Um, what else have I done? I've helped to raise close to a million dollars for an organization called United Hatzalah. It's an Israeli-based organization that um, provides immediate ambulances, ambicycles, bicycle to get to scenes of accidents within 90 seconds. It's an amazing organization. It's the only organization, really, that I've been a, I'm on the board of. And um, I was involved in a fundraiser, and I called some friends of mine. And we raised, perhaps now more than, but certainly at that point, close to a million dollars, sent several plane loads of medical equipment, medical technicians, and doctors uh, to the war zones um, uh, to give assistance to Ukrainians in need of medical assistance. Is that going to stop the war? No. Is it going to help some Ukrainians who might otherwise not live to survive? Maybe, maybe. You know, the Talmud says, he who saves even a single human life, it's as if they saved the world, but it's much better to save more lives than just one life. So uh, United Hatzalah does that. Um, um, I have contributed to it. Uh, and have my name and my wife's name and my children's names on ambucycles. Um, and every time one of the ambucycles saves a life, I get a telegram or an email telling me about whose life I saved or my ambucycle saved this. There's no greater thrill than being able to say, wow, my ambucycle helped save a life. And I'm hoping some ambucycles will help save lives in, in Ukraine as well. But it's, you know, it's not going to get better uh, quickly. Um, I think that uh, Putin's in a corner. Um, he really can't afford to be humiliated and, and lose this war. And the, the question is, can he be made an offer that really doesn't 
compromise Ukrainian or NATO or United States security, but gives him a way out, an easy way out, where he can declare uh, victory. I don't see it. So I see it possibly getting worse. Can it get so much worse that <clears throat> we risk a nuclear confrontation? I sure hope not, but I don't know the answer to that question. And nuclear confrontations don't necessarily mean that they bomb New York City and we bomb Moscow. It can mean the use of tactical nuclear weapons in Ukraine, uh, maybe in other parts of, of, of Europe. We don't know. Um, but these are matters of degree. Of course, the line separating nuclear from non-nuclear is not really a matter of degree. The only two times that nuclear weapons, to our knowledge, have ever been used in military conflict was to end the war with Japan in 1945. I remember that. I remember getting out on the streets and dancing and, and singing and hugging everybody on VJ Day, Victory Over Japan Day. I was in uh, uh, Rockaway Beach uh, with my family um, for the summer. It was, I think, August. Uh, and it was a great day, celebration. Uh, our friends and neighbors, their, their sons were coming home alive. Not all of them, but alive. And uh, But uh, they were brought home as a result of us dropping two atomic bombs that killed over 100,000 innocent civilians. Uh, costs of war are very high. It probably saved the lives of more than 100,000 innocent civilians because if the United States had to invade the major islands of Japan, uh, probably more than 100,000 Japanese civilians would have been killed along with probably an equal number of American soldiers. Was the trade-off worth it? Again, I'm not an absolutist. You have to think about this. Uh, my own view is the bomb at Hiroshima was justified, but the bomb in Nagasaki was not justified. Maybe I can't make up my mind. You know what President Truman once said, he wanted a lawyer with one hand um, because he hates lawyers who would always say on the one hand and on the other hand. He wanted a lawyer with one hand who would always say, this is the way you ought to do it. I'm not that lawyer. I always come back with on the one hand and on the other hand, and you have to make your own decisions. So let's not allow this terrible war in Ukraine to drive us into even more extreme positions. Let's remember that the answer to most questions is going to be nuanced. It's going to be calibrated. It's going to be gray. It's not going to satisfy anybody. It's like trying to resolve a complex lawsuit with a settlement. Nobody's ever happy. Everybody thinks they got cheated. You know, it's interesting. Amasaz, the great writer, um, once said there are two possible solutions to the Israel conflict uh, crisis. One is the Shakespearean and the other is the Chekhovian. He said the Shakespearean solution, every injustice is righted. Every wrong is made right. And everybody lies dead at the end of the play. That's Shakespeare. Chekhov, no injustices are cured. Cynicism prevails. Wrongs remain wrongs. But everybody remains alive at the end of the play to muddle through. And Hamasaz said he's looking for a Chekhovian solution to the Israel-Palestine conflict. I, I look for a Chekhovian solution to life. I'd love to see a Chekhovian, not a Shakespearean resolution to, um, to uh, Ukraine. 
look, Shakespeare wrote better plays than Chekhov, but life is not plays. And so I'm, I'm a supporter of Chekhovian uh, solutions. So let's turn now to some questions. I have a lot of critical questions, a lot of nasty stuff. I'll read some of them, and, and but I got a lot of positive stuff too. So remember I was talking in the last couple of days about the election and about whether the election was fair. And um, so here, your level of ignorance about vote fraud in 2020 election is outstanding. You must watch and read the mainstream media and nothing else to get that result. There is no way you could be so badly informed unless you only take in news from these liars. Well, let me tell you, I'm involved in several lawsuits uh, around the 2020 election. As you probably know, I'm representing my pillow, Mike Lindell lawsuits. I know a great deal. I know a lot about the 2020 election. And as I've said before, the result was correct, both by popular vote and by electoral vote. President Biden won the election. Pennsylvania was unfair. The Supreme Court probably should have granted review and rescinded the electoral count from Pennsylvania, but that would not have changed the election. You don't like this. It's a nuanced resolution, but it's the truth. And um, I'm going to be going after the truth no matter what. And you're going to be writing nasty comments to me, and that's okay. Next one related to that. You're a coward, Dershowitz. Trump was right over and over again, and you still lack the balls to say it. You know, I'm accused of a lot of things, but rarely of that. The election was rotten to the core. You can look at the evidence just like anyone else. You're just too scared someone will come after you. Uh, but then um, another response. Alan Dershowitz is one of the bravest men in America. So I'm scared. I'm chicken. I'm brave. Hey, you get your views. Um, and then we appreciate your neutral principles, Dersh. Even if we disagree on a few things, you're very alone on the left in this regard. Mr. Dershowitz, I expect you've been blackballed already by the mainstream media. I have been. Um, uh, too famous to be completely canceled, but they can't have a man of your stature saying this to a liberal audience. And then finally, just admit it. You're a member of the 65 Project. I spent the whole show berating the 65 Project, attacking it volunteering to be a lawyer against them, but this guy, William Hodges, admit it you're a member of the 65 Project. Either that or you're a shill. To apply your own idiotic logic, you should be stricken of all your constitutional rights for your ideological position. See how easy such stupidity works against you. And then finally, you are much too slow to be an attorney slow. I've always been attacked for talking too fast, but for this guy, uh, oh, it's William Hodges again, I'm sorry, uh, much too slow to be an attorney. The irony of your statement is lost on you, yet your hypocrisy remains firmly established. But then there are answers to that. Uh, destroying lawyer careers because of their briefs was wrong in the 1950s, was wrong in the 1960s. Destroying lawyer careers because of the beliefs is wrong now. John Adams, Abraham Lincoln, and Clarence Darrow 
would be proud of your position. Well, I hope so. I think I think that's probably right. But I'm a coward and I'm brave. We get conflicting views on these issues. Okay, so relating to that, there were two questions about Rudy Giuliani. Do you agree with the suspension of Rudy Giuliani's law license in New York? And then there's a follow-up to that. Good question. I'd like to know the answer too. Rudy was the best mayor of New York in my lifetime by a long shot, and as an attorney, had an excellent reputation to the best of my knowledge. He's also a patriot, a man I admire greatly. The suspension, I believe, was vastly more a political move and a safeguard to protect the public from an unethical lawyer. The bar was weaponized. So let me tell you a little bit about Rudy. I met Rudy, I think, in 1969 or 70. Um, I was a defense lawyer. Rudy was a very young assistant U.S. attorney, and we came up against each other. We argued a case against each other, and the first one I won. He lost. He wouldn't talk to me. He didn't like losing. Then we had a second case, uh, Stanley Friedman, the former uh, borough president, uh, I think of the Bronx or Manhattan, or district attorney, district leader or something. He won. I lost. So we were even. Then he, he could talk to me. I invited him to my class to speak about being a U.S. attorney. He came. We argued. He invited me to speak to his U.S. attorneys. I came. We argued. Uh, we argue continuously about the New York Yankees and the Red Sox. He's a fervent Yankee fan. I'm a fervent Red Sox fan. We once posed together, each of us wearing our World Series rings. He a Yankee World Series ring, me a Red Sox World Series ring. Do I think it was appropriate to suspend him uh, without a hearing? Absolutely not. And I've written about it, and I have spoken about it, and I will continue to write about it and speak about it. Uh, you cannot suspend a lawyer without due process. He didn't have due process. He didn't have a hearing. The uh, bar committee and the courts just ran roughshod uh, over him. Um, whether it was because of his political views, or whatever, I don't think he did anything, to my mind, that was uh, in violation of the rules of professional responsibility. But if the bar thinks he did, give him a hearing. Don't suspend him. That's Alice in Wonderland justice. Execution first, trial thereafter. Um, and that's what the bar did. So I'm very much, very much opposed to that. And I, I hope whether you're a liberal or conservative, whether you agree with Giuliani was a good mayor, I think he was a good mayor, um, whether you think he did the right thing, I disagree with a number of the lawsuits he brought challenging the 2020 election, as you know, my views on that are different from, from his, but you don't suspend him. Certainly you don't suspend him without a hearing. And then the typical stuff you get. Uh, all I can say is if you voted for Biden, like you just said you did, you were part of the problem. Uh, one other person said um, that I won't listen to you until you stop being a, a, a Democrat. Uh, well, you have the right not to listen to me. I'm going to remain a Democrat. And then, of course, you always get the anti-Semitism. When, when your name is Dershowitz and you're controversial, the creeps are going to come up from under the rocks. Um, so here is Chucky Wucky, um, Zionist, Mossad, Jew, douchebag. Chucky Wucky. Chucky Wucky, give us your real name. 
so we can know who you are and what kind of a bigot you are. And then there's another one, uh, Andy H.N., uh, four hours ago. Hitler's ideas were plagiarism from the Talmud. I know these things in Talmud. You're lying. You don't even know what the Talmud is. The Talmud was arguments between rabbis about liturgical and theological issues. Uh, but if you're an anti-Semite, then Hitler comes from the Talmud, and I'm a Jewish douchebag, and you, you expect that. And then, um, and then related to that are the personal attacks. What was it like on Epstein's Island? Let me tell you what it was like on Epstein's Island. I went there with my wife. I went there years before he was involved with any of the women who made accusations. Uh, I was there for one night along with the professor at the Harvard Business School and his wife and in-laws. Uh, we had dinner. There were no young people on the island. There were maybe four people on the island, workmen. That was the only time I was ever on the island. So, yeah, I, I, I was on the island. So were many distinguished Nobel Prize winners and presidents of universities and other things. How is pedophile island? And you walk free? There's no justice in this world, only perverted, corrupt, and lawless. Well, you know, learn the truth. I, I never had any contact of any kind with any uh, woman, regardless of age, uh, through Jeffrey Epstein. So, you know, if you want to lie, you want to be an anti-Semite, you want to be a pervert, or, you know, read my book. I have a book. It's free. It's on Kindle. It's free. It's called Guilt by Accusation. It has all the proof. It has the emails. It has the text of the tape recordings. It has the interview with the FBI. It has my accuser essentially admitting that she never met me, never heard of me. She had to be told who I was. But, you know, if you prefer lies to truth, go ahead. If you want name calling, go ahead. If you want to be an anti-Semite, I'll read your anti-Semitic mail. I'm not afraid of that. And let's remember, tomorrow we're going to do a live stream um, on, on Locals, um, 5.30. Uh, I'll be answering a guest's questions. Um, Elon, my son and my producer, how do you get on that? You just go to Locals. Just go to Locals, locals yeah. Uh, Dersh.locals.com. Uh, okay, Dersh.locals.com. I hope and, that does it. And it'll come up. It'll come up at 5.30, and then you can ask me your question. You can make your anti-Semitic comments. It's okay, but please identify yourself if you do. Don't hide under the rock that you came from. Just be, be open there. Say, my name's John Smith. I don't like Jews. My name's John Smith. I don't like blacks. My name's John Smith. I don't like gays. My name's John Smith. I don't like Muslims. My name's John Smith. I don't like anybody. Uh, I'm not going to silence you. I'm not going to censor you. I'm not afraid of you. Uh, I'm not a coward, no matter what some of these people say. I'm always going to tell the truth on the Dirt Show, as I believe it. And if you don't believe it, answer me. Go down to the columns, uh, to the comment section. Write your comment. And as you see, I'll read it. So see you uh, tomorrow on Locals. I'm on Locals every day, uh, seven days a week. And um, I'll see you on the Dirt Show uh, next Monday. Have a good weekend.